1: Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar can't even say my own name this morning or this afternoon, whatever time of day it is. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. And, Alex, uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your time today, Alex. I, I didn't know if you uh, had enough time for us this week with all your 98.5s. Your happenings over there you can listen to Alex on the radio all week long right all week long am I saying yep that
0: yep uh correctly? tomorrow morning 6 to 10 a.m yeah, tomorrow morning you need to plug your mic in by the way <laughs> tomorrow morning 6 to 10 a.m with with uh Tim McCone and, and Ty Anderson Thursday night with Ty Anderson 6 to 11 p.m and then Saturday after whatever the early uh the oh no there's no bowl game on Saturday it's uh 4 30 leading into the Bruins with uh, Brendan Glasheen And then it was on with actually Greg Bedard today. We had a little CLNS party over on 98.5 The Sports Hub this morning. You can hear that show back on 98.5TheSportsHub.com.
1: Well, there you go. Is my mic clearer now? Not even close. What? I don't you know what's underwater. going on with it, but
0: this, Today I, has been like, for those watching, it's just been, this is the kind of day it's been. Okay. All oh, right. there you go. There you go. There we go. All
1: right. Just had to play with it a little bit. Okay anyway so obviously not, not not the day that not the show not the day uh, that we wanted to uh, have here today or yesterday for the Patriots falling to Buffalo as you can see right down there uh, 33 to 21 I'm sure all of you watched the game yesterday and were as frustrated and as disappointed in the Patriots performance and as we titled the show today, Are the Patriots cooked, I think, is the one theme that everybody is going to come out with over the next couple of days. It was a bad loss, I think, on top of everything in terms of the execution, the X's and O's, which we're going to get to here in a little bit. The lack of energy, the lack of urgency, the slow start that they had, and just the fact that Buffalo yesterday seemed like they wanted it a little bit more than the Patriots, especially to start that game. Alex, all those things are frustrating. I would say when you have a game with such high stakes with a chance to win the division, or at least essentially win the division on your home turf, you have put yourself in this great position and the bills go out there. And as Bill Belichick said, after the game, the Patriots didn't do anything well enough to truly be, competitive at any point in time in this game. And although they did get it to one score late at 26, 21, it truly felt like the Pats were outplayed from start to finish in this game.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I talked a ton last week. The one thing I didn't think would happen. And I, you know, the bills are a talented team. I certainly thought there was a chance that they came in and we got a shootout or something, or, you know, a competitive football game. And and it was competitive on the scoreboard, but the one thing I didn't think would happen Would be the Patriots coming out flat again. Yeah. I just in that spot after what happened last week with what was on the line, after what happened three weeks ago, and the way the Bills reacted to that game and things Sean McDermott said after that game to not be prepared in the way they weren't prepared. And I mean, top down, including the coaching, they sleepwalked. That, That was a the fact it was as close as it was, frankly, I think says a lot. Yeah, because it, it it never felt that way. It and no. they they were JC Jackson dropped that ball. They could have had the lead. Yeah, and it, it still never felt like they were truly in that game. It didn't. They didn't everything they had done during that seven game winning streak. And look in the Colts game. At least there was that second half, right? At least there was right. that second half where there was a flash. Everything they had done during that seven game winning streak from coaching adjustments to being more physical than the opponent. Um, capitalizing on mistakes. Right. Yeah. It all went out the window. There was none of it. We yeah. we didn't see a drop of that, that team that won seven straight games. And I said last week, I said, Hey, look, I'm not ready to call it a pattern yet. I'm ready to call it an anomaly. What happened against Indy? Now it's a pattern.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And the stat that really stood out to me in terms of not being able to take advantage of any of the mistakes that, in, uh, that uh, excuse me, Buffalo made in this game. Josh Allen was graded out with 10 inaccurate passes in this game, right? He had some passes that got away from him. Not all of it was perfect. I think when you watch the game, it it seemed like he had an answer for everything. It seemed like every decision he made was perfect. Not everything they did was 100% perfect, but the Patriots could not take advantage of some of the mistakes they made, not just the drop interceptions, but also other plays. Like, for instance, uh, the receiver, I can't remember his name because he's somebody that know we uh, we don't talk about it a lot for buffalo Jay kumaro kumaro yeah he dropped the ball in the end zone buffalo still winning and scored on that drive right, right. It, it didn't matter the patriots didn't capitalize and the one thing i think that devin mccordy said after the game that has continued to stick with me uh, throughout all my reviews of this game so far is that when this patriots team needs to make a play the play in the moment fourth quarter down a score, get the ball back to the offense or have the offense take the lead late in the game or make that monumental shift game shifting game altering type of play. They don't make those plays right now. They are not right. finding that play. And I think Devin McCordy was talking more about the defense And the fact that they couldn't get off the field with seven minutes to go and a one-score game, the Mac Mac Jones and the offense finally wakes up a little bit and the defense couldn't make the play to stem the tide and turn it the other direction. And I think when you look at some of the great teams uh, the Patriots have had over the last two decades, it wasn't always playing from ahead. It wasn't always first-quarter leads. It wasn't always starting fast. I think those things are media-driven narratives and, and sometimes even player-driven, their coaching-driven narratives that get talked about a lot but aren't actually indicative of what happens every single game or the majority of games, even for a lot of teams, you are going to get behind in the NFL. You are going to give up plays early. You're going to uh, be the slower team to start. You are going to get um, yourself behind the eight ball. The great teams are able to dig themselves out and complete these comebacks. The Patriots have come really close multiple times this season, not just in the last two weeks, but even before that, right? Against Tampa, against Dallas, against Miami during the two and four start. Now these last two weeks, they have come really, really close to being able to pull off these comebacks, but they just can't put it together in all three phases late in the game. And I think what that comes back to is championship medal and something that is with championship medal, it's it's developmental, right? You can develop that as a team, as a player, as a quarterback in the case of Mac Jones, but it's not something that just automatically comes to you. It's something that you learn and, and grow from. So hopefully these games and these close calls, the Patriots will be able to build on these in the future and say, we've been in this spot before, but championship medal is something that usually It comes over time and isn't something that just automatically comes to players and comes to teams. This team right now doesn't have those chops. They don't have that ability to come back from 20 to nothing or to come back from down 13 against Buffalo in this game. They need to get that because if they don't get that, then you have to be a front runner and not everything is going to be front running. Yeah. And
0: it goes back to something I said since August, and I know people don't want to hear this today. This is the reality of it. This year is one long preseason. That's yeah. really what this is. Year one of a four-year rebuild. Year one of a four-year window. Sorry, after a rebuild, yeah. and here's—I the, mean, there's really two directions they can go, right? I think, I think losing big games is important for a young team. Uh, you know, you look at the Chiefs losing to the Patriots in eighteen, right? I right. think. That helped Patrick Mahomes and that team immensely. I really do. Um, that's just one example. There's all kinds of examples all over yeah. sports as much as football. Yeah. The question is, when you lose that game, do you learn from it or does it become a habit? Right? right. I hate to make this comparison, but you look at the Boston Celtics. We've been saying for years that the Celtics are a young team that just needs to learn. And this will be, this will be the one that gets them over the hump and they haven't done it. And... Those are the two directions you can go. And what's so frustrating about this is we won't, I mean, we don't know the answer to if this is a pattern or if this was a learning experience, probably for a year. Maybe if that Miami game turns into winning in, we get a kind of, you know, look at it, but they're just, you're not going to be in the spot that often. And you hope, like, I, I like this core and I think the foundation, this, this is the question we did off the top on touch and rich today. And I think it's a very good question. Can a season, be both a success and a disappointment at the same time. Yeah. And I, I think that's where this Patriot season is trending, where they did have the one seed in the AFC late in the year. They did have a chance to win the division pretty easily and they let it go. And that's disappointing. But the reality is this year is a foundation for the next four years. And we've heard guys from like the two, the early dynasty Patriots, right. We've heard them talk about how important that 2000 season was when, even though they went five and 11, They learned how to win in the NFL and that laid that foundation. So that's what they did with a five and 11 foundation. This is going to be a 10 or 11 win foundation here. Flip that. Right. So if they go on and they win a title at some point with this core, I think we look back at this season and specifically this game and it becomes, Hey, it was a painful loss, but it was important. Yeah. It was crucial. What you hope is that they learn from this loss and it doesn't, it's not a sign of things to come and there's no, you know people can say oh no this is who they are i think it's too early to say that people can say oh it was a learning experience and as much as i want to believe that that's what it was and that's what it will be ah, i think that you know it's still too early to tell that as well but that's that's the crossroads they're at from this game you can't come out like that in a bet in a big game and expect to have success with the overall window which is to win a title in the next 4 years you can't do it yeah but this is a, another big game where they've come out flat you hope they learn the lesson
1: yeah, I, I think that that question is a really interesting question because I've been asked that a couple of times too. We talked about it on the post game show last night, but the problem is, is that I think there's a time and place for that conversation. I think when we do our season recap show sometime, hopefully in February, but it, right now it's looking more like January, right? And we right. do that season recap show, we can talk about the whole season in a big picture lens and say, "Wow, the Patriots won." 10 11 games whatever it ends up being and mac Jones's rookie season that's terrific if you told right. me back in august that they were going to win 10 or 11 games then i would have been thrilled with that result and that i think is important context that we have to hold on to this but is ultimately where
0: they should have been right close ultimately. to the division fighting for wild card spot. yes
1: it's definitely fair to be disappointed and frustrated that they had this opportunity. And they squandered it, at least so far, at least to this point. But ultimately, we do have to look at the bigger picture and recognize that 10 or 11 wins or the rookie quarterback and a bunch of new faces on both sides of the football is a good progressive year. Right. It's a good foundational year is the word I'm looking for. But we can have that conversation in a month. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts i want i want to get into now is discuss some of the things that actually happen in the game and I think the other big question coming off this game we're going to get to the defense. I got plenty to say about the defense as well as, as I'm sure you do too Alex. But offensively, I think the biggest question is over the last two games, what is wrong with Mac Jones and the Patriots passing game because the way I look at it for the first 12 weeks of the season and I and granted the two and four start it wasn't perfect and it looked a lot more like this than it did during the seven game win streak where they were great in the passing game. But for the most part, Mac Jones was 12th in EPA. He was fifth in the completion percentage over expected. He was top five in PFF grade at one point in time. He was trending towards being a fringe top 10 quarterback already in his rookie season throughout the first 12 weeks of the year. Week 13 happens in Buffalo. They go into the windstorm. He only throws the ball three times. First time since 1974 that a team has thrown the ball that few times in an NFL game, they go into the bye week hasn't been the same since it, that it's really that that's how I would lay it out from a, a, a timeline perspective. Right? So the question is, how much is this, what's going on with Mac? How much is this, what's going on with his receivers? Obviously it's a combination of everything, but where are we at with this passing offense? Cause clearly, when they went up against a pretty good passing offense in Buffalo, they were not going to outduel Josh Allen the way that their team was playing that day.
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's two different. First off, they're just, they're not there where they can play from behind yet. They're not there where they can throw when the other team knows they have to throw. And that is concerning, right? Yeah. I don't think that that's, but it's fixable. Mac Jones is going to get better, they're going to put better pieces around him. I think in terms of yesterday's game, what really hurt the passing game, I think we maybe underrated what a loss Nelson Aguilar would be. And I don't mean that in the sense that he puts up numbers, but he is somebody that the defenses have have to respect over the top. And part of the reason they've had success throwing a Hunter Henry up the seam, right? Throwing a Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers over the middle is teams have had to leave a safety back to accommodate Nelson Aguilar. And that wasn't the case and you could see the difference. You know, Hunter Henry gets taken away because teams feel like you know the Bills felt like they had an extra safety they could put on him. I don't know how many times the Patriots came out in twenty-two, um, or even twelve or twenty-one, where it's Nikhil, Harry, and Jacoby Myers, and they're both pressed off the line on the outside, and then there's nine or ten guys right in the box for the Bills. Like they, they. It, it is not-
1: concerning when you don't have Aguilar out there. Not to cut you off, but. When you have Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, Hunter Henry, John Smith, and Jakob Johnson as your skill players. That is the slowest collection of yeah. skill players in the NFL. And I'm not sitting here trying to get into a conversation about Nikhil Harry and that draft pick and John who and the, I, that's a different conversation. But just in general, that not a single person in that grouping runs faster than a four-five five, right? That's Nikhil, I think, ran a four-five three technically, but I don't know. That, that that was a fast stopwatch that day at the Combine. So regardless of all of that, that is an extremely slow group. And not having Nelson Aguilar out there, as you said, to stretch the field, they've threatened so little of the field in that game against Buffalo. There's right. such little, uh, you know, talk about being able to attack every blade of grass. That's what offensive coaches always talk about. The Patriots were only able to attack maybe 25% of the grass against yeah. Buffalo on Sunday.
0: And the problem, I mean, they were down their two most explosive receivers. I'll get into that in a second, but basically go back and watch the game. I mean, the bills are putting 10 in the box. They're rushing six because they know there's no threat over the top. Right. And it's the lack of speed. And and they like, they didn't have Nelson Aguilar. Obviously he's, he's out. He has a concussion. That is what it is. But they're, they're most, they, they kept their most explosive playmaker off the field. Kendrick Bourne played less than 50% of the snaps. I think he is their best receiver. I think he's their most explosive player on offense. I get he didn't practice all week. I get it. And that's been a Belichick tenant in the past. But I think part of what's made this year different, and part of the reason they have had success this year, and they have, is Belichick has kind of gone away from some of his, you know, some of what he's leaned on. Yeah, especially with COVID. Right. Yeah. With Well, like even something like playing rookies, right? We did the whole thing in in the summer about how Ramondre Stevenson wouldn't play, and he's been a key player, and Barmore would probably get redshirted, and he's been a key player. But the practice thing, too, Ramondre Stevenson had his best game of the season after not practicing all week. I forget what the injury was, but he didn't practice all week. He played, he had his best Yeah. JC Jackson had his best game of the season. That one was against Carolina after not practicing all week. They were clearly okay with it this year, and look, Born's a new player. If it's week two, I get it. It's week sixteen. There's got to be eight to ten plays that are just generic, non-game plan specific plays that they have that he can run. He or or just put him out there and have him run go routes. Right. But well, the thing it, is, is that have, there was he was the most the closest yeah. thing they had to an explosive threat, and they kept him on the bench. And he that's played forty-seven we'll, percent of the snaps. Right. Forty-seven. So. so That's a theme. We'll talk about it on the defensive side of the ball, but the coaching did not adjust in this game. They did the same thing from beginning to end. That's supposed to be a tenant of what they do. They didn't do it, and that's frustrating.
1: Yeah, I I wanted to talk about Mac specifically because I've I've looked through some of the All-22. I haven't been able to sit down and watch the entire thing, but for the most part, I really felt like Mac made decent decisions with the football in this game. And it wasn't necessarily that he was missing wide open guys down the field. There's maybe one play they faked the the handoff or the toss and they had the crosser with the post from Nikhil Harry. And he ends up throwing the post into double coverage instead of throwing the cross that maybe you would like back. But for the most part, There wasn't a ton out there that I thought was a terrible decision-making from Mac Jones, but what I definitely saw a lot of, especially when it came to zone coverage, and we're going to talk about man coverage here in a second because that's a whole other issue. When it came to zone coverage, a lot of receivers converting routes in ways that Mac Jones was not anticipating. I posted one clip on Twitter The Patriots are running a sale concept. They have the vertical clearing out the sideline and Hunter Henry filling in with the uh, intermediate route, whether it's an out or a corner. I I couldn't tell you, right? It depends on the call, I suppose, or, or, you know, only they could tell me that. But Mack throws the corner and Hunter Henry runs an out right so it looks like the ball is a bad throw right it looks like it's overthrown and hunter henry tries to adjust to it and can't that was probably one of the only opportunity downfield opportunities the patriots put on tape the entire game where i said oh they really had a chance to to hit a shot here right and they they dialed it up they got the zone coverage look they were expecting it was cover two Mac saw it got it to the right guy but they weren't on the same page hunter henry flattened his route off on the out route Mac through the corner and the ball falls incomplete because the two guys aren't on the same page that that is frustrating at this point in time in the season to see how disjointed the passing passing attack was in general. And I know a lot of people want to make it about Max accuracy, but Max accuracy would change a lot. The narrative on that would change a lot. If some of these uh, route conversions are going the right way, right? He's throwing it to the outside. He's throwing it to the sideline and Hunter Henry stopping his route on uh, and sitting his route down instead of running out towards the sideline. Hunter Henry thinks he's running it out. Mac thinks he's running a corner. You know, these are the types of conversions that you see over and over again that are frustrating for Jones. So, look, I I don't really understand. I got to be honest with you. I know I've been – some people think I'm a Mac hater. Some people think I defend Mac. So I don't know where people are at with my opinion on Mac. But I got to be honest with you. I did not watch this game back in any capacity and have concerns about the quarterback and said, Oh, the biggest problem out there on Sunday was the QB, right? That was not how I felt at watching it live. That's not how I feel now about watching the game from what I've seen of it uh, back on the coaches tape. This really felt like a game where his receivers were not doing their jobs properly, whether it was separating against man coverage or it was route, route conversions against zone coverage and being in the right places. Mac was visibly frustrated all day long that he was throwing the ball to one spot and guys were going to another spot. It, you could just tell that it was really uh, killing him all game long. So uh, w- where is your opinion on that though? Because I think a lot of people uh, are being pretty harsh right now on Mac Jones on Monday morning quarterback.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pro Mac, uh, you know, roll tide and all. I, I thought it was his worst game of the year, but I also wouldn't put him in my top five reasons they lost. Yeah. Right. I think I I find it hard to believe that every route that broke the wrong way was on the receiver and not him. And we don't have the play sheet in front of us, but I feel like that's gotta be a 50, 50 street. Um, you know, I thought he, 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 put the team on his back when he had opportunities and he loved to see that the quarterback sneak, you know, he absorbs that hit from Matt Milano late in the game. Gets right up, kind of try to try to light that spark. Yeah, but he he just you know, I thought at least against the Colts, when he struggled early, he fought back and he actually made plays as they were trying to come back. I don't I don't know that he made plays late in that game. Like he had opportunities. I just I I, it was the it's it's hard because the whole offense the whole offense just wasn't there. Yeah. I didn't think the like outside of damien harris outside of damien harris i mean just
1: yeah damien harris and the run blocking were solid other than that the whole offense was a mess it it just sort of compounded so i mean you
0: want like here's the thing if this game is in three years i think that this is a major red flag for mac jones even if it's next year because at a certain point you want your first round quarterback to elevate the team. And I know I've talked about Mac Jones being net neutral. I still think you need a little bit of that. And that yeah. would have been the perfect spot to do it as a rookie. Like rookie evaluation is different. Again, it goes back to, is this a learning experience for him? Cause this is the thing like early in the season, we're talking about Mac getting better and he was progressively getting better. I, you know, is he still getting better the last couple of weeks? I thought he was from the Colts. I thought maybe he did at the Colts game. He didn't get better from the Colts game to the Bills game.
1: So it is important to mention, I would say with that conversation, that uh, de- development's not always linear, right? You're not always, right. development's not always going to be in an upward trajectory all the time. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be uh, setbacks. There's going to be issues. There's going to be good games. There's going to be bad games. But I think what we've seen from Mac, and I would say the one thing that maybe you could uh, be a little bit concerned about now, even still, uh, the fourth down play, for instance, he does play make a little bit, right? He got outside the pocket. Right. He directed traffic. He moved Jacoby Myers, and he play, make, play makes in his own way. He's not Josh right. Allen. He's not going to scramble to his right, right go yeah. platform and zing it 25 yards down the field. That's not going to be who he's going to be ever. But I think what you look at is that, This passing game with Mac Jones at quarterback and given his in his current state, he could develop into a a different type of player down the road. But in his current state, they need to execute at a very, very, very high level to produce against a good defense like Buffalo has. Right. They need to be on their P's and Q's on the same page on every single route. They need to really let the system do the driving right? That that's how they need to be. And that comes down to X's and O's at this point in time, Mac is not an elite playmaker, right? He is not somebody that's going out there and making all these ridiculous plays like Josh Allen did on Sunday. Could he be that down the road from the pocket? Absolutely. Right now he's not there yet as a rookie and that's totally fine. But I think the other concern that I have from watching this game and Bill Belichick, came out and said it this morning when we spoke to a very grumpy Bill Belichick, as you could expect on Monday morning, he said, we didn't get open against man coverage, right? That wasn't, I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially what he said was that they, the Buffalo played a little bit more man coverage and, uh, and they didn't get open. And I look at some of these guys and I look at some of the way they ran their routes on Sunday too. And I'm perplexed by some of the decisions in terms of releases and stuff like that, but they did not separate at all against man. I put up the stats. Mac was two for 10 for 27 yards in a pick against man coverage yesterday. Not good enough against man. This is a problem that got a, a lot better. I would say this year, right? Last year, Patriots were 31st in the league in passer rating uh, in man coverage, right? Against man coverage with Cam and that group last year. This year, they're better. They're middle of the pack in that statistic. So they are getting better in terms of getting open against man and being and having a quarterback that can win against man coverage. But this is a back down to earth type of game in that respect too. And I, I look at Jacoby Myers got open a little bit. He was probably the most consistent guy that they had that could separate. But with no Aguilar, with Bourne Limited, the tight ends did absolutely nothing against man. The backs did absolutely nothing against man. It was tough sledding every single time Buffalo called man coverage.
0: Yeah. I, it's, and, and I think the other thing too, I think they, and this goes to coaching. Did you feel like there were too many plays that they called that took too long to develop? I just don't think. Well, that's the other thing. So I'm glad you brought that up because. So, so I, just I, real quick, like I, yeah, from my point of view before yeah. you get, cause yeah. I have my point of view and then you have the right answer. Yeah. Um, I think that, I don't think Josh McDaniels had a feel for what the Patriots offensive line was doing in that game or what the bills pass rush was doing in that game because he's calling plays that needed time to develop. And that time just wasn't there. And that's not on Mac. That's not on the receivers. You just, I think that's the thing where, and again, this is a theme of the whole game. I think the Patriots coaches never picked up on the flow, on the tempo, on the mood, whatever you want to call it. They, they never picked up on what was happening on the field. This is what I and this is what I criticize the Bills for immensely after week 13. And I'll I'll bring it back and say the Patriots did it. The Patriots did what they wanted to do. They put their head down. they, They put the blinders on. They closed their eyes. La, 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 la. They did what they wanted to do. They didn't allow the game to dictate any of their decisions. And that's that's bad coaching. That's bad coaching. And this is another example.
1: Yeah. So your point about Mac not getting rid of the football, I think one of the most interesting statistics that I've uncovered. i getting
0: not getting rid of the football. I'm saying they were calling plays where he had to hold the ball too long. Okay. Yeah.
1: Either way, right? Uh, Maybe maybe a little bit of yes. I I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So just in general, whether it was scheme related, play calling related, or or Mac related or receiver related, Mac Jones over the last two weeks, his average time to throw Alex has been three point one seconds in the first. 13 games of the season, it was two and a half seconds, right? So he's holding the ball and I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but in an NFL game, an extra half a second's a lot, right? That's a big difference in terms, and that's a lot of difference in terms of timing, rhythm, continuity, all those types of things in the passing game. So not only is he not throwing the ball as accurately down the field, but the ball's not coming out as quickly and and it's not coming out on time as often as it did before whether that's play calling, whether that's defenses taking away first reads and making Mac Jones hold the football in the pocket and scan through, whatever the case may be, we know this, right? Whether it was Brady, whether it was Cam, whether it was Jimmy G, whether it was Matt Castle, the Patriots' offense is designed to get the football out. They don't want the quarterback sitting there in the pocket for three seconds per drop back. They don't, that's not the type of offense they want to be. They want right. to be a timing, rhythm-based quick passing game they want the ball out and Matt Jones holding the football whether again it's a multitude of factors that are contributing to that but the fact that that number over the last two weeks is 3.1 seconds is way 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 too high for this scheme to be running properly so something is going on whether it's scheme whether it's Mac whether it's receivers not getting open something is going wrong that is causing them to hold the football and that's not what they want to be doing. So that's definitely another thing that I look at with this passing game. They absolutely need to get back to getting the football out, right? Getting the football out and getting it to the guys it needs to get to. Mac talks about that a lot. He says, sure. I need to get the ball out, and I need to get it to the people that should have the football because I'm not athletic. I'm not fast. I'm not the guy that should be having the football. The other guy should have the football. So that's what they have to get back to as well. But we move moving over to the defense. So just re- real
0: quick on that, though. Yeah. I-, I think it goes back to the point, at least in this game, like that stuff all has to be in the middle of the field.
1: Yeah. You can't. Re- and I know like you can, but you're you not really quick, quick to re- the boundary. You know, they've done that before. Yeah. You know, but that's land flat, you know, uh kind of like hook, hook, flat, is, whatever you want to call it. Right. You but know, is that so- really
0: the most? productive way of doing that is is throwing quick outside the numbers on a regular basis like i feel like i know it didn't go for
1: i I know it didn't go for a first down but i thought the the play that looked the most like the patriots offense was that third down throw to jacoby myers uh that set up the fourth down play right they go for it on fourth down afterwards and hunter Um, henry you want
0: some patriots breaking news here oh what's going on matthew judon tests positive for covid
1: and Jawan Bentley. So we were supposed to talk. So that would be what was going on. We were supposed to talk to Jawan Bentley today. Uh, we did not. So he, he tested positive for COVID. Matthew Judon, over the last two games, Alex, has had two quarterback pressures in the last two games combined. So... I thought there was something physically going on with Matthew Judon uh, in terms of a football injury. Uh, as it turns out, maybe Matthew Judon has had COVID this entire time, right? You, you know, he's not going to have it for two weeks and then just test positive today. I don't think that. I don't know. Something was up with him, right? His energy level, uh, his, his effectiveness, everything. Uh, in yesterday's game, it just wasn't. He was not playing with the same fire that we normally see from Matthew Judon. I'm also telling you right now, uh, personal note. Indianapolis was cursed all right there was something going on there in Indianapolis in the press box a bunch of people that were sitting in that press box have gotten COVID Uh, obviously the players are are catching COVID left and right so bad news for the Patriots Judon Bentley it is Monday so if uh, Judon and Bentley are vaccinated they could still play like Kendrick Bourne, right? They they could still clear. It's also the Jaguars who have a huge COVID problem on their hands as well. So, well, I mean, the le- hundred six players today. Wow, yeah, uh, that's got to be a, a Christmas thing, right? Look, I I, I
0: don't want to get into the should the league be can, testing can we, or not conversation. Let's,
1: let's circle back to that after. T- I think we need to talk about some of the X's and O's of, of this game yesterday, but it, it is important, right? And I know people don't really want us to talk about the COVID stuff. I, I know it's not fun uh, to hear about, but let's circle back at, to it at the is end Any of this fun to hear about today. I think no. that's the
0: point. Of, this is a Festivus airing of grievances is what this show is today.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, last thing on, uh, on the offense before we move over to the defense. Uh, Damian Harris was the only player that showed up from the skill group yesterday, right? I mean, at least we they can hang their hat on the running game being successful. The running game was not just successful; they were awesome in that game. Fifty uh, percent success rate. Damian Harris went over five yards per carry. Uh, they were just as good as they were a couple weeks ago. They just didn't get to run the ball quite as much as they did in Week 13. Harris ran hard. Uh, he ran angry. He uh, was fantastic. The blocking was pretty darn good in that game as well. Uh, from the run blocking perspective, the only good thing that I would say they did in that game, Alex was run the football in in all three phases, honestly. Right. I mean, the only good thing that they did, uh, on offense or defense was being able to run the football. I'm going to audible and talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries. Insa I N S a, they're the premier because the founders Pat and Pete re-engineered the cannabis model, from what they sell to how they sell it, while never forgetting it's for everyone. INSA dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from the differences between flowers and concentrates to offering for insomnia and anxiety or RECO for hanging with friends. INSA has a world-class head chef too, and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the INSA founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for, INSA. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston delivery in two Springfield locations including just one off I91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or for one penny insa.com or 877-500-insa. So
0: since we're since we're kind of doing, you know, people are doing the uh, you know, can we already talk about next season? The season's over thing. I'll give you my yeah. I mean I have a couple takes on that, but Damien Harris needs to be a captain next year. Yeah. I mean, he was the one guy when they came out flat, putting his shoulder down, bowling through players, keeping the energy up. He has been one of their best draft picks over the last couple of years. He's got just the mentality. I mean, he's a really good football player. I don't want to take away from that, but you talk about the mentality, like the brain you want in a football player. The dude just, he gets it. He gets it. He understands what's going on, what the deal is. You know, like he, I, I, I he needs, he needs, I'm not, this isn't me. Like, I don't mean this as criticizing him. Like he's not talking yeah. enough, but like, I think the more he emerges as a leader and it sounds like that sort of happened this year, it begun to happen. But yeah. the more he emerges as a leader and a voice on this team, the better. Yeah. I, 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 that's a guy, you know, I, I trust having my back a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. I, I think they nailed it as a player, as a person, as a leader. They nailed it when they picked Damian Harris. I think he, like, all all love in the world of him. He went out there, regardless of everything that was going on, and he played his game. So, shout out to him.
1: Yep, well said. All right, let, let's move over to the defense side of the ball because plenty of grievances to air on that side of things. I want to, I want to say this though because I think it's important, and I understand that Miles Bryant's getting thrown under the bus a lot today and and taking his lumps for what was a a, a bad performance yesterday against Isaiah McKenzie, but. When I look at what happened with the defense, especially after watching it again, Alex, this was a coaching failure by the defense. This was, I, I don't care how often you or you want to say, oh, the Patriots miss Jonathan uh, Jones and Miles Bryant can't cover in man. And uh, I am telling you right now, this was a coaching failure by the yeah. Patriots to stick in, cover one, man free. And all Isaiah McKenzie did, was run routes to out leverage miles bryant right whether it was the crossing routes or it was the routes out of bunch formations they did not the patriots pride themselves defensively one of the most important tenants of bill belichick's defensive system is leverage right is maintaining leverage is having body positioning on the route and they did not have that at any point in time against anybody on the Buffalo offense this entire game, and that's why they got destroyed the way that they did. Stephon Diggs beats J.C. Jackson to the inside. The post safety is nowhere to be found. Uh, Miles Bryan, if you look at, I posted Isaiah McKenzie's route chart from Next Gen Alex. It's all crossing routes. He ran over routes the entire game, and they never closed the middle of the field. They never jammed him. They never redirected him. They just allowed a guy that runs a sub four, four is a return specialist run in a straight line across the field the entire game and get into foot races with Miles Bryant. So Miles Bryant's sitting there. Right. And he's outside leverage. He's on Isaiah McKenzie's outside him and he has to run all the way across the field with the guy. And there's nobody from the middle of the field closing it off, right? There's no safety coming down. There's no linebacker laying them out. There's no resistance whatsoever from the Patriots in the middle of the field. And Brian is left out to dry. It was a frustrating tape to watch because I truly felt like the Patriots, for some reason, they sat in cover one and they did not want to get out of it. I don't know what it was that they felt like they had to stay in cover one the entire game, but they never got out of it. And he beat Miles Bryant uh, to the inside every single time. And it really wasn't Miles Bryan's fault. I don't care. You put Jonathan Jones out there. I still think that similar results happen if they play the middle of the field the same way that they played it yesterday.
0: I, so I think they have a better shot. It, it, you know, it's, they obviously it's,
1: have a better shot, right? Jonathan Jones, is a better player, but the way that they got out leverage and the way that they never helped him to the middle of the field, I, I just don't know how they can expect Miles Bryant to, to cover that route. Uh, in that position, right? They We talk all the time about Bill Belichick and the coaches putting these players in their best position to succeed. And Miles Bryant was not put in a position to succeed right. yesterday, point blank. And look, and here here's the more concerning thing
0: to me. They tried it like, all right, you tried it. Not everything you drop during the week is going to work right. 100%. You're going to have to change things. That's football. That's what this team is so good at. Did, I didn't need 60 minutes to figure out that strategy wasn't going to work. Right. I know you didn't need 60 minutes. I think most people no. at home didn't need 60 minutes to figure that out. Coaching staff took them at least 60 minutes. They still might be trying to figure it out. Right. At a certain point, like, I, look, Miles Bryant, I, I think it's just a matter of Isaac, Miles Bryant's not physically fast enough Yeah. To cover Isaiah McKenzie. McKenzie's one of the fastest players in the league. I don't think at anybody certain, is. Re, well, so at a certain point, you need to recognize that and make a change, yeah. whether it's. You know, giving D'Angelo Ross a shot. And would that have worked? Would Ross have been able to cover him? I don't know. But you don't know until you try, and it was kind of one of those things. Honestly, Devin McCourty is probably the fastest player on the defense. He's played some corner. I would have given Devin McCourty a look there. Just a look. Just see what happens.
1: They were so worried about...
0: The other problem is, you know, you'd like to think Sean Wade could get a look there. He's an active. Juwan right. Williams. I, I like I, I don't know if this is a matchup for Juwan Williams, but maybe you come out with Williams who's significantly bigger and you just jam him at the line. He upset the timing. He's inactive. Yeah. They weren't ready on all look. I think they expected the Bills with all their COVID cases at wide receiver to come out and just run, run, and run. And I don't know how you can expect that from that team. Yeah. They weren't ready. They weren't ready for it. And they were caught totally off guard once it started happening. No adjustments whatsoever. Again. I, I think Miles Bryant's a good player. I think he there's a role for him on this team, and he can he can do a lot of things that they need. But at a certain point, you know, he didn't play well, but at a certain point it's on the coaching staff. Yeah. At a certain point, the dude's getting beat time and time again. You can't just leave him out there to try like that. It didn't it's not like you know he was covering them all game and then McKenzie started popping off in the fourth quarter. Right. If that happens, that happens. You tip your cap. We knew it from the jump. That matchup wasn't in their favor they and they never adjusted they sat on their hands
1: yeah so i, I think the, the reason why they never adjusted the only reason that i can come up with is what they were doing was they were dropping those linebackers bentley uh hightower van noy uh, they are dropping them off into those low zones or low holes right where they were trying to keep them in passing lanes uh jamie collins to add that, him to the list uh they're trying to keep them in passing lanes, but they were also trying to keep them to spy Josh Allen. They were so petrified of Josh Allen's running ability. They were petrified of it. They did not want Josh Allen to run around. They did not want, they rush three or four contained rush, right? They didn't really try to pressure him all that much. And then they also had spies on him. None of it worked because Josh Allen just had so much space and time uh, to move around. And you look at all these things and uh, the adjustment to me uh, to help Miles Bryan out might not even have been to move somebody else on to uh, Isaiah McKenzie, but it would have probably been to play two man, right? To play two high safeties and then using one of those safeties to cut off the crossing route from left to right, right? If he's running left to right, you have the far hash safety cut him off as he's coming over the middle of the field, the problem was the Patriots didn't want to take the extra player out of the box because they were so worried about Josh Allen running on them. And at some point in time, you have to look at it and say, okay, even if Josh Allen runs on us, Isaiah McKenzie averaged 11.4 yards per catch. Is Josh Allen going to average 11.4 yards per rush if you just allow him to scramble, right? I mean, maybe you'll get a big one here or there, but you you got to hope that you're able to collapse and take him down, right? You got to hope that you're able to limit him somehow. So there was no adjustments. They played cover one. Uh, They got shredded in cover one. They allowed Isaiah McKenzie to win foot races coming across the field with nobody helping him out. Miles Bryant, that is. And the other thing that was really frustrating is the, the bills kept on running routes out of that bunch formation, right? They had the three man bunch and they were manning it up. The Patriots are playing lock and level rules. So they were in man to man matchups, And all they were doing was they were taking Isaiah McKenzie as the inside receiver and they were just running him out in the flat. Right. And miles Bryant starting from an inside position, he's out leveraged. He can't get there. And if you're not switching it off, then it's just easy. It's just, it's easy yards underneath the defense. So, so many frustrating things. They played zone early, and they, Josh Allen was taking those checkdowns, right? He was checking it down to single Singletary. Uh, he was he was taking uh, eight, nine, ten yards at a time on those checkdowns. So they finally got out of that, and they tried to play man-to-man coverage, and they, their leverage rules just got exposed. D- Dable knew the answers, and he absolutely expo- exposed all the leverage rules. And really, I look at this game from a defensive perspective. I know a lot of people have also been out there and said they had no pass rush. They got no pressure on Josh Allen there. There was no rush whatsoever. He had all day to throw, uh, those types of things. I actually, this game to me, Alex, is way more of a coverage breakdown game uh, than a pass rush breakdown game. Their gap integrity wasn't great. Uh, They allowed Allen to extend plays. They allowed him to move around, but they actually pressured him on 40% of his dropbacks. They hurried him 20 times in this game. But the problem was, is that every single time they got some pressure on him, every single time somebody broke through and and was able to get in his face, he had open receivers everywhere. So there was always an outlet. There was always a way out of the pressure. So pressure, generating pressure, generating sacks, it's a marriage, right? You have to be able to marry rush and coverage. If you don't have good coverage, you're not going to be able to sack the quarterback. And if you don't have good rush, you're not going to be able to cover for six seconds. There has to be a marriage between the two. And yesterday I thought the pass rush uh, for the most part did pressure a little bit, but they weren't able to get him on the ground because there was places to go, right? There was outlets, there was receivers open behind it. So really a, a defensive game plan that didn't work that, had no answers and and was absolutely torched from start to finish. You you give up seven red zone drives and you don't force the team to punt. That's as bad as it gets. So here's the thing. I think ultimately
0: the Patriots defense did what they wanted to do. Not yeah. what they needed to do. I think they did what they wanted to do. And we talked about this all week. The game plan is sit back and cover two, cover four. Right. Make Josh Allen take the check downs all day. Don't get beat deep and make him beat you in the red zone objectively it's not a bad strategy right? because the bills are one of the worst red zone offenses in the league. And the Patriots going into that game had the best red zone defense. What happened was two things happened. First off Josh Allen. And I see bills fans saying it's the greatest game. Josh Allen played in his career. It's not you beat the Patriots. I get your excited. Calm down. I have been the smartest
1: answer. game. He's played all year. Is that That's fair? what I was going to say? Yeah,
0: it, it is the smartest game because he, he never took debate, even the one mistake. And I'll get to that. That that wasn't him getting anxious, getting impatient. He just him and the receiver on different pages. So and at that at a certain point, you tip your hat to him. Right. And Devin right. McCordy said it after the game. You can't you can't cover everything. You just kind of figure out what you're gonna take away and how you wanna make him beat you and and you hope you execute. And to an extent they did that. You gotta be better tackling after the catch. I mean, there were some brutal, brutal well, miss tackles in the game. They had, they had game. 12
1: missed tackles in the game. Yeah. So
0: they didn't execute it perfectly. So that's the first part of it is I think at a certain point, you just got to tip your cap to Josh Allen. Those guys get paid too. Right. The Patriots laid the bait out and he didn't take it. He never took it. And that's rare for him in his career. The second part of it is if you're going to play that way, where you're going to say, we don't care what they do between the twenties, because we think we can force a mistake or we can stop them in the red zone. If you want to play that way again, that's fine. They've won Super Bowls playing that way. But that's contingent on when they make the mistake, you have to capitalize. Right. There's no room for error. And there were two mistakes that they failed to capitalize on that cost them the game. One of them being, obviously, the J.C. Jackson drop interception. Yeah. I mean, he houses that. This is probably the best show of the year on the happiest boy in America. (laughs) The other one, and this was a little more subtle, but if the game goes another way, I think this play is a major point of contention today, is it was their... Second to I can't remember exactly. The drive it was their second to last drive. The Patriots had started calling timeouts. First and ten, the Bills ran the ball, no gain. Timeout. Second and ten, and they were like in field goal range. All of it, they threw a pass, and it was incomplete. Allen threw a pass in the yeah. play, it was incomplete. Do yeah. you remember what play I'm talking about? Yep. They essentially gifted the Patriots an extra timeout. Right, and that's one where, all right, if you get off the field there. They just gifted you 40 seconds to go down the field and score and take the lead. Cause the Pats are down four at the time. Here you go. And instead the bills ended up, I believe that ultimately what happened on that sequence, if I remember correctly, it was the same drive was the Josh Allen fourth down bootleg. Yeah. So that, that was two opportunities where, you know, they had a chance, the bills made the mistake. They had a chance to capitalize and they didn't, if you're yeah. going to play defense that way, and I'm all for that as a defensive strategy, because, again, points over yards all day. I'm all for that as a defensive strategy. But if you're going to play that way, you have to capitalize. You have to capitalize when the other team screws up and they didn't do it.
1: Yeah, uh, I think every single time we sit here, Alex, and the Patriots defense look like crap and loses a football game This where they play terribly on defense, it's always on crossers, in breakers stuff to the middle of the field where they're attacking those leverage rules and help defenders right the patriots in this game they had the low hole guys right to try to contain josh allen but also stick in some of those low passing lanes and allen was just zipping the ball to the intermediate level right by the low hole defenders and in front of the post safety how many games have we talked about oh it's it was the quick slants that killed him this game. It was the crossers that killed him that. Right. It's never the outside the numbers stuff, right? It's never the deep ball. It's never the it's never the throw to the X receiver on the boundary. It's never that. It's always crossers, slants, in breakers, uh, things over the middle of the field, intermediate routes, attacking those leverage rules. And for some reason, they get into these game plans and they get into these sequences and they can't get out of them right they, they they can't adjust out of them and i thought this defense would be different because i thought this defense would have the ability to play different styles of coverage they might not be as dominant in man to man or in cover 1 as some as like the 18 team or the 19 team right but they have a lot more options in zone coverage that they could potentially throw at you but they were just so slow at collapsing on in zone on the short stuff when allen was checking the ball down that they had to get out of it and that's a that was a wake up call i think about this patriots secondary and this patriots defense a little bit uh, i don't think that you're you know look allen played a fantastic game I, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be able to fully replicate that game plan but every single time this happens remember last year against houston with deshaun watson it was the same thing right it was crossing right. routes it was in breakers over the middle it's the same song and dance every single time the patriots get beat We go all the way back to the Eagles Super Bowl in 2017, and it was the same exact thing. So at some point in time, they have to figure out a way, uh, whether it's more uh, too high coverage, whether it's more zone coverage, whether it's whatever it is. Uh, You know, Bill Belichick certainly knows more about it than I do. Whatever it is, they need to find a plan B when they get into these game plans and cover one's not working and that was the plan going in, they need to be able to find something else that they can go to that will throw off that because obviously the bill's prepared for cover one, right? right? They obviously had all their man beaters drawn up in the play sheet. So you have to prepare and you have to be, you have to have something else that you can pivot to when that strategy isn't working. And my guess is they just didn't feel comfortable pivoting because they didn't have something that they felt comfortable calling. And well, I think I get, that's the problem again, that goes back to the point. Juwan Williams and Sean Wade shouldn't have
0: both been inactive. Right. I, I get, maybe they don't trust those guys. I don't know why they don't trust Sean Wade. I get he got here late, but they, and, and they did this last year, two at times where they just shortchanged themselves in terms of personnel. They handcuffed themselves in terms of personnel heading into games. And Christian Wilkerson really didn't play yesterday. Right. Yeah. They could have given that spot to another defensive back. I, you know, I'm trying to go off the top of my head. I, you know, off
1: of guys who oh, didn't really. Except play. when they drew up the the flea flicker, that that I don't know what's going on with them right Exciting flea flickers. It's awful. Get great! I'll on tell you that? what it is.
0: I'll tell you what it is. The flea flicker needs to be a halfback dive. The flea flicker, very simply, is a halfback dive. Stop calling toss flea flickers. Yeah. Stop calling shotgun flea flickers. That's not like I I get they're trying to be different. Right. That's not how that play works that's just you need the flea flicker needs to happen quick and they're just not giving themselves enough
1: time to do it yeah it was so the flea flicker the the deep option on the flea flicker the deep over was christian wilkerson i saw 17 out there and i was like really that's the guy you're gonna have be the the number one option on this play i was shocked by that but Your your overall point with the secondary and having no other options out there because Williams and Wade were inactive is a good one. And I guess they just didn't feel, why activate D'Angelo Ross if you're not even going to give him a chance when Miles Bryant's getting beat like that? So it was, all in all, the inactive sheet was questionable. Uh, The game plan was questionable. There was no pivot defensively. So I I understand it's easy to, you know, but to back to my original point. I understand that it's easy to, scapegoat miles bryant it's easy to pick on jc jackson for not having a great game against Diggs and missing that tackle and the interception it's easy to talk about how slow the patriots linebackers were how they couldn't collapse on the short routes and they couldn't get the check downs down and they couldn't tackle it's easy to say all that kind of stuff did the coaches put the players in a position to succeed on the field and in my mind Too often in this game, the players were left out to dry. And there was no rhyme or reason whatsoever to stick in the coverage that they were playing when Brian Dable clearly had it all figured out, right? He clearly knew what was going to beat cover one. And he had Isaiah McKenzie, and he was running them across the field. And the other thing I'll say uh, quickly here before we wrap this up, Isaiah, the one benefit that, that the Bills had to Beasley and and uh, and D- Davis being out in this game, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie's been around. He's not a new player to their system, right? They don't right. necessarily use him as much at receiver when those guys are healthy, but he's somebody that has been around the block and has been around that team for a while now. So he, it wasn't like they were putting in some. Like, it wasn't like they were putting in Christian Wilkerson, right? Right. They. He, they, they knew, he also he just might be better than Cole Beasley. He, at this point, he's definitely a, a harder guy to match up against, right? Because yeah. he's of that speed, if you mean, can run those overs. All right. Um, it reminded me a little bit, honestly, quickly of uh, when the Bills also had John Brown, right? Because he had Diggs yeah. and John Brown. So you had two guys out there that were really good on the crossers. Uh, it was it was a problem. The Patriots couldn't cover it. All right. Uh, I want to end it. I want to circle back to the, the COVID stuff here for a second, because I think it is important. I, I know where you were... Going with it, right? In terms of pausing the season, I think is where you were going with. No, it.
0: oh no, no. Get okay. it done with. No. What were you going with then? I'm, I I hate to, I I hate dipping into this. I hate dipping into this. But if guys are vaccinated and they're not symptomatic, yeah. And the the testing from the league, the research <inaudible> from the league says that asymptomatic vaccinated people can't spread the virus. What are we doing? You're looking for a boogeyman. Like, I hate to use that word because the conversation in right. England. You're just looking for a boogeyman at that point. Right. Test unvaccinated players. Test guys who are symptomatic. You certainly don't want people getting sick. Like, I'm this isn't to diminish what COVID is. Right. But like I I don't know. It's it's getting out of control.
1: Yeah. You yeah. Know how many players did you say today? Hundred and six.
0: Hundred and six. It's in and this isn't, you know. I'm probably pissing off both sides of the political aisle here and I really try not to get it's all political right. and it sucks that a freaking pandemic is political as stupid as that is both sides. I, you know, if the science tells us that asymptomatic vaccinated people are fine, then I'll, I'll buy it. The scientists are smarter than I am. Asymptomatic yeah. people are fine. Then, well, then we don't need to be testing them. Then let them go about their business. You don't need a hunt. Like, like you don't need a hunt for the virus, right? If, Take care of people who are sick. If people aren't sick, they're not sick. Maybe look, maybe I' don't, like I'm not I'm an idiot. I'm a sports writer. I don't know what the hell is going on in a global right. pandemic. but I do my reading and not these obscure like I pretty basic down the middle places it It seems unnecessary at this point. just and the CDC shortened the the guidance this year and all of that. I don't know. That's just it's frustrating because it sucks because this has been a really good year in the NFL. I think, you know, the yeah. parity is as high as it's ever been. And we got a real sprint to the finish right now in the AFC and kind of in the NFC too. And if it's derailed, cause you have replacement teams out there for the last two weeks of the season, that's just going to be really disappointing as fans. It's going to be a bummer.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I think we're at the point in time now where, It's probably smarter, especially with these highly trained, highly conditioned athletes, to start treating symptoms more than treating positives, right? Where we're more concerned about is he actually sick? And I'm not saying to throw a player out there. What I'm saying is is that if a player feels that he's less than 100% and he's feeling some of the effects of COVID 19, then he doesn't play. If he feels perfectly fine and he feels fit to play, then he then he should be allowed if he's vaccinated then he should right. be allowed to play and the cdc came out today and said that now they feel like a 5 day quarantine is sufficient for covid so some of these guys that test positive on monday talking about playing on sunday that that's cdc guidelines are saying they sh- those guys should be able to play that's what i'm saying like right? let's
0: just let's just catch up again like again so i don't i don't know scientifically how all this works i will admit that i'm smart enough to admit i'm not smart enough but if the CDC is dropping, like if we're using protocol, if there's one thing we all know about the pandemic and this virus, it's that it's basically different every week, every two weeks. Like you right. have to keep updating. We shouldn't be using protocols in December that were put together in August. Yeah, that just doesn't. It they, it they doesn't have track what them, we but
1: it, as you said, it evolves constantly on the fly. All right. right, that's enough about COVID. I it depresses me, and and I think we are at a point though where we know enough about the virus that you should be able to manage it somewhat in terms of, is this guy asymptomatic? Is this guy not, is this guy fit to play? Is he not? Uh, They should be able to determine that pretty easily. And I, uh, before we wrap this up though, Alex, I I really want to thank a big strong contingent of Buffalo bills fans watching the show in the chat today. I know, I know they came in here just to talk some smack, but our sponsors are loving the numbers that we're getting right now because of you guys. So I we really appreciate it. I, I know that you thought that you were going to get on our nerves, but I'm actually happy that you're in here. So thank you very much for coming in here and watching the show today and uh, enjoying our misery. I don't and, think there's any fan base in the NFL that searches other teams' podcasts just to watch their shows after a week, right? Like, I, you understand where like, I'm coming. Like, I, like no, how do you I, even find us? Smith, so like, confused. they
0: They come out of nowhere. It, it's unlike any other fan base. And look, I took my victory lap three weeks ago. I got my victory lap taken on me. They, The only insult they have for me is ugly. And I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong, but like, you know, normally, like other fan bases, they'll mix in calling me dumb. They'll mix in calling me a homer, yeah. uh, you know, things like that, even short, you know, the Bills fans just go with ugly. That's it. That's the only insult they have for me. And I got to, like, again, they're not wrong, but coming from the city of Buffalo
1: hurts a little deeper. Thanks, Buffalo. Thanks for thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully we'll see you on, on Friday when we uh, preview, or Thursday when we preview Patriots-Jaguars. I know you're going to be really interested in that matchup, so you should come right back, so, right? Can and, I give a quick thought on that game to kind of tease it forward? Really here? quick, you can, yes.
0: The Patriots, when the Patriots won seven in a row, they started out by With beating the, the bag out of the Jets, 54 yes. to 13. Yes. Uh, and we talked at the time, the Patriots kind of needed to see one go in, right? To use a basketball analogy. Yeah. They they need to beat anything less than a three score win over the Jaguars is unacceptable. I think if they could beat the bag out of the Jaguars. Yeah. Then maybe you start looking at, hey, they just needed the confidence booster in its back. Maybe. That's my initial
1: thought on that. It's a game. tune-up game, right? It's a college style right tune-up game. game. It's it's like when Ohio State schedules uh Bemidji State in the first game of the season and beats them 90 to nothing, right? You know, that that's yeah. the type of game we're looking at on Sunday assuming uh, I hate to say this, but in su- assuming that everybody stays healthy, knock mm-hmm. on wood, with with COVID and there's no uh crazy uh, Matthew Judon he goes on COVID, ben- Bentley goes on COVID. Uh that's the one that's the Great equalizer right now. It feels like across the league, right. right? These these gimme matchups can turn into into real games real fast if Brian Hoyer has to make the start. So uh hopefully we don't get to that point. Hopefully we can get this out of under control, and hopefully Matthew Judon and Juwan Bentley make a speedy recovery and are asymptomatic. But until we do it Thursday or Friday, Alex. I, I don't know. Pri- Friday is New Year's Eve, so maybe we'll oh, do, we'll do Thursday. Probably Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Thursday preview show Patriots Jaguars. I think that there's a a plenty to talk about. We were going to do some Q and a because we thought this was going to be an easy game, but now that the Patriots coming off this game, I think that there's plenty of stuff that we need to discuss, but we'll take some questions hopefully by the end of that show as well. If you want to come back and and answer those questions and by all means, Bill's mafia join us on Thursday uh, for Pat's Jaguars. And we'll talk about some more things and you can uh, brag some more in the chat. But until then signing off, For Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you Thursday.